Hello and welcome everybody to this week's Dev Central Connects. My name is Boo, one of your community evangelists on the F5 Dev Central team, and I'm your host today. Dev Central is supported by community.f5.com. I would encourage you to head over there and sign up for an account. We have a lot of stuff happening there. There's a lot of stuff that is public. You can hit up Google and you can do a search and you can find all sorts of stuff on Dev Central, but there are reasons to create an account on there as well. You can get in, you can make some replies, you can ask some questions, and possibly you could become a Dev Central MVP, which is actually verified as one of the paths to become a CTO. And so we'll talk about that today, but that maybe is some encouragement for you to join the Dev Central forums and participate and just hang out with the community. So I'll leave you with that for now. A couple other things that I want to mention. Hopefully you are following us on LinkedIn or on YouTube or maybe on Twitter or on Facebook right now. If you're watching us from one of those platforms, I would encourage you to hit like, hit subscribe as well. If you're on YouTube, hit the bell so that you get notifications when we go live and when we've uploaded videos as well. We've got a lot of great resources, especially on the YouTube page with a lot of how-to type stuff, how to solve your problems, or maybe some new architectures that you might be interested in. And you might be listening to us right now. And if you aren't, I wanted to let you know that we are available on Apple, Google, and Spotify podcasts. Head over there, subscribe, leave us a five-star review, and we'd love to chat with you on there. So what I will mention is that we're going to bring on Joel Moses in a second here. Joel is the CTO of Platforms and Systems and Distinguished Engineer here at F5. And we'll be talking about how to become a CTO. Again, one of the paths is becoming a Dev Central MVP. But I would be remiss not to bring up the biggest news. This is June 6th right now. So if you're listening to this in the future, hello, it's June 6th. It's the day after Apple's WWDC event, 2023. And yesterday they announced the Apple Vision Pro. And so I'm going to bring up something here. Now, if you were following the Dev Central YouTube channel last year, you will know that we created some VR videos last year of us walking around the show floor at the RSA event and at Black Hat. And I was at GovWare and did a little walk around with my friend Chin over in Singapore as well. So a little meme up here for you. If you go follow my LinkedIn, which is linkedin.com slash IN slash Gulam, I think we'll get you there. You'll see this nice little meme there, but you can spend 3,500 bucks next year and you can watch us in VR. Or the alternative to that is just getting a meta quest two and spending 500 bucks and watching us in VR. But nonetheless, there's content for you in VR from Dev Central if you would like to jump on that. So having said all that, let's bring on our guest today, Joel Moses. Joel, how are you doing? Hey, Boo. How's it going? I'm very good. Thanks. Excellent. Yeah. $3,500 to watch you, you in VR. I think it's still worth it. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Yeah, I would love to know if folks that are watching live right now, let's go check out the chat here. Hello to everybody. Let us know where you're watching from and let us know if you are going to buy a $3,500 headset. And if you're going to buy that $3,500 headset and the first thing that you're going to watch is the Dev Central VR videos, that'd be amazing as well. I don't have any money to chip in for that for you for that endeavor, but I have some videos for you to check out if you do that. Joel, what's your thoughts? Are you buying one day one or are you going to wait a bit? I'm a massive gadget head. I, I will buy it simply because it's a gadget and I have to have the version one of the gadgets. I know that Apple doesn't support its version one product very well. You get about a year to a year and a half out of that and then you wait on and, and get the fourth release and then it's like you got about, about a five-year lifespan for that. But look, I can't fool myself. I'm going to buy it. 
Why not? It'll be that FOMO, I guess, hey? Uh, we got James Taylor. James, hello. You will not be spending $3,500 for one of those. Neither will I. I'm probably going to wait for maybe version two and probably a version that's not the pro version, perhaps. I already have other things to throw on my head. And we got Nathan Britton from the UK. Hello. Yeah, Rebecca, shout out to all the Kraken fans out there. Huge, yeah. huge fan. Yeah, how many Seattle folks do we have watching live right now that might be hockey fans? You guys might see each other at the games once in a while. Oh yeah, absolutely. We got Leaf here. Watch Dev Central and play with your kids at the same time in VR. Oh, that's sarcastic. Okay, fair enough. It's got that feature that allows someone who's outside to cut through what you're working on so that you can see an outline of them while you're working. That 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 seems to me to be a little risky, frankly, but hey. <laughs> We're going to figure out what the edges of the technology are, right? Yeah, yeah totally. And we got uh, Subinel Subeco from South Africa. Right on. Thanks hey. for joining us today. Anybody else, just let us know where you're, where you're watching from. Let us know. If you, have, if you have another VR headset, we'd love to know what other experiences folks have. I have a Quest 2, and I'd be playing with that a little bit, not so much lately, but early days was actually playing with it from a work perspective, like the Horizon meeting rooms. And I don't know, throwing on a headset and interacting with somebody else's avatar and drawing on the whiteboard and, and whatnot that yeah. was an interesting experience. And it's, it's interesting we're talking about this topic because I was thinking about this just before we started about what's changed since Dev Central was launched. Mm. I mean, 20 years. Dev Central has been around for 20 years. Back then, F5 was still shipping some of its software releases on CD. It had just stopped shipping floppy drives for some of the firmware updates in some of the units and how far we've come. Back when DevCentral started, we had no streaming outlets like this. We barely had functional social media at the time. And now, well, I, I lost track of how many, the laundry list of things that you stream on right now. This stream's going, what, six, seven Everywhere. different networks? Wow. All so, of the places. Yeah, the yeah. reach of community is just huge now. Yeah. And you know what? So, and, and that's great that you mentioned, cause I should have mentioned this at the beginning, but we have hit 20 years at Dev Central. So a big congratulations to everybody who's been a part of Dev Central. Joel, you've been a huge part of Dev Central and an advocate of Dev Central. I would be remiss not to mention all of Jason's contributions oh, yeah. for so long that has built up Dev Central. And then we, we got to mention Colin Walker may rest in peace but our late Colin Walker, who is one of the original Dev Central members as well as the first full-time employee for Dev Central, who made massive contributions to building it up to what it is. So yeah, we're celebrating 20 years and that's part of why you're on today, Joel. I did title this, How to Become a CTO. And as I mentioned before, we have verified that CTOs can be built through Dev Central or at least have some sort of little contribution along the way. But would love to kind of hear from you, Joel, your, your path to CTO. And maybe we'll kind of start out with what did you go to school for? Oh, wow. Okay. So I had a double major, computer science and mass communications. Wow. And, and I, I obviously exercised the computer science part, the mass communications part. I kind of had dreams of journalistic nature back then. But mm -hmm. to be perfectly honest, the main reason that I got pulled into the mass comm program in college was that's where my girlfriend was. 
<laughs> and, and she definitely wasn't in the computer labs with me. So I yeah. stuck with both programs and it's actually served me really well. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, here you are, we're live streaming right now about your endeavors in computer science. And so you bet. Uh, that's amazing. So I guess that, that right there, we talked about it before the show, but there's lots of different paths to become a CTO. Now, along the way, did you, what did you aspire to getting out of school? Were you trying to pursue the comp sci more? Or I, I think when previous chats before, you actually did some of that journalism. You bet. Actually, I started out being a television news producer. Nice. I actually produced live newscasts and, and that's, that's what I thought I was going to do. Now it was happening around the same time as the rise of that web thing that everybody was talking about. In fact, in college, I actually created the school's website just on a lark by literally scanning in portions of the student handbook and creating web pages. This thing was kind of interesting to me. The Mosaic browser was just about to be launched. It hadn't quite launched when I started working on that technology. And I just found it fascinating. I thought as a step change above some of the technologies of the time, like Gopher and what have you, it was an interesting combination of graphical and textual. And, and the way that things linked together was intriguing and I could see possibilities in it. So I started working on that. When I left college, I went to, to do television news and I did that for quite a little while until there were some rumblings about maybe we should get on this web thing. And so we actually put together a website for television news in the early days and that kind of entered the business through that. I did a lot of consulting work as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's where I kind of found myself at the next bend in my career, which is uh, I found that the television news thing wasn't paying all that well. Journalism mm -hmm. still doesn't pay all that well. So I started doing consulting work on the side and that led to an engagement with Deloitte where I spent 15 years. And that's how I came into contact with F5 as a customer. Yeah. Interesting. So when you were at Deloitte and jumping on the F5 stuff, you encountered Dev Central along the way. Were you trying to solve a problem? Were you trying to just connect with other users? Well, it's interesting. So at Deloitte, I never really held any operational responsibility for mm -hmm. F5 gear. I was the architect. I was the one who was building the overarching architecture supporting certain applications. And I became very intrigued by the F5s because they, they were number one, a full proxy, which I love to engineer around full proxies as security devices. And so I started working with F5 on getting the F5s certified as an ICSA firewall. Mm. And that's where I came into contact at the first, the first time with some of the development resources at F5. It was only a hop, skip, and jump from there to, to figure out the programmability possibilities. I, I noticed something interesting about the F5s. Anytime I was constructing an architecture, the F5s were naturally drawn to two critical places in an architecture. They were at the very edge in some architectures, or they were in the very center of some architectures. And I thought that was intriguing. It was a place where it, it was very strategic, right? So as, as a user is accessing an application, or on a network, the F5s were in strategic places. And so that led me to figure out what these things could actually do. Because I'm first and foremost kind of a, a programming background guy, I love to bum instructions out of code. And I find that the same logic applies to architecture. I love to bum things out of the architecture. 
by figuring out whether there's a component that can serve a double purpose or if there's something that can do more than its design guidelines suggest that it can do. And because of its inherent programmability, the F5s were a great place to do that. So naturally, my first interaction with the Dev Central community was through iRules. That's where in the initial days, all the iRule documentation was pretty much hosted on Dev Central. And communities of people started to do some interesting things there. And I, I read the forums and saw what people were stretching to do. And I, I wanted to try to, to pitch in. Mm. It, it's interesting, the, the way that I kind of started to pitch in, though, was very much led by my F5 sales engineer at the time. Who is that? So, I, well, he's not, he's not there anymore, but his, his name was Brad Wood. And Brad, I'll have to confess, as a customer of F5s, I was probably a little, a little bit harder on some <laughs> of my F5 resources than I needed to be. I can't so imagine. I was challenging Brad. I needed a particular feature in the product. And, and I wanted to be able to switch pools based on the SNI identity in an SSL session. I had a particular need for that. I needed that from my test lab that I was putting together because I wanted to create some automation around it and I needed to be able to switch pools based on the names, but use a wildcard cert in the front. Pretty common scenario today, but back then this was kind of strange. Nothing really worked this way. And so we, we talked with F5 Engineering and F5 Engineering said, well, okay, we can, we can do that. That seems perfectly doable. It'll take us about two releases to get to it and, and you'll have it after then. And that, I'll be perfectly frank, it kind of, peeved me that they mm. said that. It's like, well, this doesn't seem like it's that big of a lift. And so Brad said, well, you ought to just show them and do it. Do it in eye roll. It's probably possible in an eye roll. And I thought about that and that, that, that conversation, I believe, occurred late on a Friday. And by Saturday evening, I had actually created an eye roll to do SNI pool switching. Mm. And, and that, that rule I posted to the community, I believe that same evening, and that rule has gone on to do all sorts of different things. It, that, that logic for decoding TLS transactions has gone on to do tons of things for people in the community. But literally, it was me trying to stick it to F5 Engineer. <laughs> so I sent it to the head of engineering and said, really? Is it going to take you two releases? Come on now. And yeah. it, it came out in the next release. <laughs> that, that's, that's kind of how I got, I got known by F5 as part of the F5 Dev Central community. Yeah. And, and that kind of began this journey. Yeah, that's fantastic. So from there, I mean, what I'm picking up already, though, if we're kind of collecting some of the breadcrumbs on characteristics of a CTO, you are somebody who needs to solve a problem and figures out the solution, like whether it is a quick solution or maybe a longer solution, but you are always in pursuit of that next thing. Uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, Insatiable curiosity is the mark of a good CTO. You, you have to remain curious. The moment you, you lose your curiosity is, is the moment you should probably give the position to someone else. So I, I play with lots of technologies on the side. Uh, I've got a, a software-defined radio back here on the desk behind me that I play with because I'm curious about the, the joining between applications and, and things like radio broadcast technologies, which leads me to work on things like LoRa. And, and again, that, that probably has no relevance to F5 yet, but it's something that keeps my mind working on what comes next. 
So insatiable curiosity is, is definitely the key. And the Dev Central community is great for that. I can't tell you how many times I've delved into the forums and there's somebody doing something completely gonzo. I mean, just absolutely nuts with an eye rule or with a Terraform template. And, and those things inspire me to redouble my curiosity. Mm. I'm giving this away now because I am no longer in the position for this. But when I was a sales engineer and I would be helping out with interviews for my boss, for new up and coming or sales engineers I want to join, one of the questions that I would ask them is, what does your home lab look like? That would usually be an indicator of, okay, does this person like to tinker around? If the answer is no, then maybe they, they do something else and I can figure out something else on how they explore things. But the, an impressive lab, a home lab, where it has nothing to do with what their day-to-day -day is, but they're just tinkering around and they've created something inside yeah. this lab. That was, that was always like a, a good indicator for me that this person is going to figure stuff out because a lot of sales engineering is figuring out figuring out stuff that doesn't exist and then coming up with a solution for a customer with the Lego blocks that F5 has given you. Yeah. One of my, one of the most common questions my wife asks me at the house is, are you in your tank? So, so I, yeah, I, 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 I like to submarine myself down in my lab and, and she, she, she knows. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So I guess moving on from there in Dev Central or working in, working at Deloitte involved with Dev Central. At some point you made this leap from, hey, I, I've maybe exhausted everything you can do at Deloitte and you're on to the next challenge? Yeah, well, life always throws you little curveballs. And I would say that the thing that kind of helped my thought process was being named a Dev Central MVP. There is a fateful meeting that occurred. A lot I know a lot of F5 customers like going to Agility. Agility is a great place to know, hang out and meet other people who, who share your roles and interests. And there's DevCentral always has a big presence there. But I, I was one of the inaugural members of the very first DevCentral MVP class. And they held a lovely little session on a rooftop in a, what is it, a co, a co-working space? Maybe, Jason? maybe Jason can comment on that. I don't remember what the place was exactly, but. In the research uh, team. Yeah, we, we, we sat around on a rooftop and we talked over some of the things we were working on and we interacted with people that we hadn't met before from the F5 engineering organization. We talked about what we would do with the technology if it had A, B, and C. It was a really good session. And as we sat there on the rooftop, I looked around and realized that the people I was surrounded with, and this is not just the Dev Central MVP folk, but the F5 engineering staff, were some of the smartest people I'd ever, I'd ever interacted with. And that, that sort of led me to look a little bit more closely at F5. Hmm. I mean, I, I already looked really closely at F5. At, at Deloitte, we leveraged it for the global VPN standard. We actually replaced a lot of our firewalls with F5s simply because the F5 could perform that function. Even as LTM, it was a better firewall than some of the stateful firewalls of the day. And they certainly had a higher handling capacity. So we engineered extensively with F5 gear in architecture. So I, I, I mean, I, I already respected the technology, but it was respecting the people mm. that kind of led me to the, the choice that F5 would be a really cool place to go. It helped that I had reached 15 years at Deloitte, which inside of the business consulting industry is like Methuselah time. <laughs> most, most people last about five years in that, in that yeah. blender. 
but at the time I was, I was, I was doing architectural design directly for Deloitte's C, CIO and CTO mm-hmm. and, and was kind of their lead architect. And my wife, my wife got her master's from University of Colorado in Boulder. And so I just thought she, she wanted to move to someplace we could go skiing. We were living in Tennessee at the time, not a lot of good mm-hmm. skiing around Tennessee. And, and Seattle seemed nice. So, so we kind of took the leap. Nice. I, and that's, that's when I entered the product organization as a, as a Dev Central MVP. Oh, fantastic. I remember early days of my time at F5 and you were working on the APM product and I was one of the, the APM SME group members. And so yeah. passed by occasionally in San Jose, but you, your career kind of took you way up here. I kind of went like this and then you went like this up into the right with your career. So maybe you can give us a, a rundown of, okay, you're in F5, you're a product management engineer. How, how does a product management engineer get to become the CTO? Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I, I kind of entered F5 a little lower, but it was, it was through a, a passion for working on product. It, it was initiated when I, when I saw, when I first saw APM pop out, we, we, I had used Firepass, the predecessor product for VPN for a long time. And when, when APM popped out of the woodwork, I began to notice it had other characteristics. It was not just a, a VPN subsystem and a, and a, uh, a VDI subsystem. It also basically was an authentication and session management tool. And so I began encouraging the product manager of APM at the time to look, lean more heavily into that. And so you, you, you guys probably have me to blame for the, the, the integration of things like SAML authentication into APM, not just for servicing the authentication of the VPN, but for general purposes, just, just creating gateways, authentication bridging. And so I, I, I kind of came over to F5 and I started leaning really heavily into that. We started enhancing that product pretty significantly and, and, and incorporating that into the visual policy editor and various things like that. And I, I really enjoyed that work. I thought it was, it was fascinating. And to some extent that's kind of been borne out the authentication bridge services, things like Okta, they're, they're based on effectively the same root technology and, and strategy that, that APM had in its earliest days. So I think what you're getting at is I stayed general, right? I, I had a specific focus and I needed to deliver something very specific. But at the same time, I found other opportunities to, to involve myself in work that was kind of outside my area. My, my background is primarily cybersecurity, but had a strong networking background as well. And so I, I, I also started working with the big IP and the LTM teams pretty closely. And over time, as a recognition of staying generalist, I, I found myself involved in a lot more F5 things. Mm. Uh, so, so that's, and, and I also stayed really close to customers as well. And I think that's the other two things that I would point out. So there's insatiable curiosity. There's also be as general as possible. A lot of times there's a, there's a, there's a built-in innate sense in a lot of engineers that I need to dig in on this thing and I need to go as deep as possible and getting deep on, on a particular type of technology is fantastic, but it means that you, you can get relegated to a status of a one trick pony. But if you're curious about things and you also stay general, if you understand a broad number of things and how those broad numbers of things interact with each other your value to the organization gets incredibly important. And I would also say the third thing is that 
you can't predict where your career is going to go. And if you're staying general and you're digging into certain things, but you want to know about other things that associate with it, always learn, create time to learn. And that, that's what I did. I would sometimes go to the boot camps that the sales engineers would go to mm. so that I could familiarize myself with the, the new products that were coming out. And I didn't have to do that. I could, I could narrow myself as a product manager into, into my little focus area. But I also wanted to know about what everybody else was working on, not only what they were working on, but I wanted to know how it worked. And then, so that's what I tried to do. Fantastic. Question from the crowd here, actually. Are you okay for a few minutes, Joel? I know we're- Oh yeah, absolutely. Over here. Let's go. Uh, Jason's got a question. How do you stay general enough to keep the big picture, but deep enough to bring value? Oh, that's tricky. That's tricky. So we, we actually have a body inside of F5 called the, the Technology Awards of Distinction. And through that, I'm a distinguished engineer. We have people who are incredibly deep on a single topic. And, and you can still provide value in that sense. We have some of the foremost experts in TLS on the planet. We have people who know TCP and TCP queuing. The, one of the jokes that I like to use is that Saxon Emdahl can compute TCP checksums in his head, which I still believe I've seen him do. I'll go to my grave believing that he can do that. He's one of those people who is incredibly deep. He's a technical fellow. He's actually a one step above distinguished engineer. But his commitment to being as deep as possible on that technology brings incredible value. If you're going to be a generalist, though, and, and a generalist is an important function, Look for, look for integrations, look for ways that you can create an understanding of how technology A links to technology B links to technology C. If you understand the linkages, then you'll understand those technologies at a deeper level than you expect. That, that's what I would advise. Mm. Yeah, very good. Yeah, Leaf, I got it right. Generalists do survive evolution. That is absolutely true. <laughs> Darwinian, I suppose. But, but it's true. The organism that is the most general will usually survive over the ones that are the most specific to their environment. And, and that's, that's true. And, and I think a CTO, a good CTO, has the ability to, to work deeply, but retains the ability. They get there by being more broad, by being a generalist. Fantastic. And so... Through your curiosity and through partnering and, and seeing broad areas of the company, eventually you got into the office of the CTO. It was only inevitable and became, a, became one of the CTOs. Yeah, it's, it's ironic. I, I, my path even there is a little non-traditional. Hmm. Usually you don't start in the product management organization and get to product engineering. The path usually works reverse from that. You start with an engineer who's hmm. interested in how the business of the product works and they transition to product management. I kind of did it in reverse, but I had a strong partner in a gentleman named Dave Schmidt, who from the early days of the organization was the chief architect. Let me put into context what his function was and what he did for the company. Uh, if any of you out there used Big IP version four and the transition to version nine happened, which was a, a sea change in the way that it performed and worked and, and how everything was integrated into Big IP, that's Dave. And a lot of the transition the company made from the early days to the more modern Big IP was entirely driven by Dave. And 
Dave and I got a, a really strong working relationship and, and he brought me on board as kind of one of the first members of the office of the CTO back then. And his role, the CTO, the domain CTO for systems and platforms, that's the one I hold today. He spent 25 years in that role. I mean, that's, that's an eternity. Mm, wow. And that's, that's the shoes that I've stepped into. So. Wow. I love it. I love coming to work every day here. I work with the smartest people I've ever worked with in my career. And, and that is, that is no fooling. Well, I can say the same knowing you, Joel, knowing folks like Jason Rahm as well, and, and many other folks, I, many of the other folks that are actually Dev Central, former Dev Central MVPs who've become Dev Central folks, Aaron Hooley. Oh yeah. Oh, Kevin Stewart. Uh, Kevin Stewart. Yeah. The smartest people I know have come through Dev Central. So amazing to see what 20 years has produced as a benefit to the community, but as a huge benefit to F5. Oh, absolutely. I, I look forward to the next 20 years. I mean, we've got so much going on right now at F5 from distributed cloud and the acquisition of Nginx. And uh, we've got, we've got fun stuff coming in the future. I mean, really fun stuff. And, and the, the Dev Central community and the MVP community within it, they're going to be driving how everything comes together. I mean, let, let's not fool ourselves. F5 can produce pretty good products, but the products become great only through people who use them in the community. And, and that's, that, that is dev central to a T. So I am, I'm really looking forward to the next 20 years. Awesome. Very cool. Joel, well, I thank you for coming on. I am going to mention that over on community.f5.com, I've created a show thread. There is a link to your LinkedIn on there, and we're just trying to find your Dev Central account, and we'll get you tagged on there as well, sure. so people will be able to locate you on there. You can you can find Joel either through there or through LinkedIn, but at the very least, visit community.f5.com, hit up the Dev Central Connects group, and then you'll find the show thread with all that information. So thank you very much, Joel, for sharing your experience. Thank you for being a Dev Central, former Dev Central MVP. We don't have an internal Dev Central MVP program, but I'm sure you would be qualified for that immediately and some sort of honorary award for lifetime achievement on there. Yeah. But and let me say thank you to all the Dev Central folks out there. If you would if you've done one single posting, you you've done an immense service to the rest of us. The community is incredibly valuable for not only for, for F5. So I get to reference what you guys are doing through the community, but also for other people, for the industry. And, and it's, it's a wonderful thing to see. Absolutely. All right. Thanks a lot, Joel. I'm going to bring you backstage and I have a couple of closing comments, but I'll see you in a sec. All right. Thanks, Boo. Thanks. Alrighty. Amazing to talk to Joel. And I will also mention that the Dev Central MVPs, they actually, one of the benefits of it is that they get quarterly briefings with folks like Joel. So if you like talking to CTOs, you like talking to product managers, you like talking to the people that influence the product, they're looking to talk to you. They're looking to talk to the MVPs especially. And so if you become an MVP and, and the way that you become an MVP is by participating in the community, helping out, showing some expertise. But even if you don't have particular expertise, maybe you're a generalist, there's a lot of general questions on the Dev Central community that people that are newer to F5 are looking to get answers for. So there's lots of ways to contribute on the community. So I would encourage you to visit community.f5.com, register for an account on there and see how you can help out pitch in. And you're going to get a ton back out of it as well, including opportunities to speak directly to folks like Joel. 
just a final reminder, if you're watching from YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter right now, make sure you're following us on there. Check us out on audio podcast as well. We are available on Google, Spotify, and Apple. And then otherwise, you'll actually see me in a couple of weeks at InfoSec Europe over in London. So I'll be creating some content there. And if you haven't seen already in the past two weeks, I was at Red Hat Summit and I was at the Cube Huddle event in Toronto as well. So lots of content for folks to check out. Otherwise, thank you very much for joining us today and I will see you next week. Bye for now.